0: Gabba Gabba Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks podcast where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. How you doing?
1: Doing well, man. I mean, uh, working every day and just started my deck project. I mean, my dock project. I got a little, I live on a lake right here. It's just a little man-made lake. Yeah. And uh, this house is built in 64, so we've been here about six years and I, uh, the dock was in ill repair. Last year, we tried to do a little repair to it and just paint it. Yeah. But it, it was just wore out, man. There's some boards, it's kind of sketchy
0: walking across. Yeah, yeah. Are you, like, working, working, or are you just working on doing this? Are you, like...
1: No, 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 I'm I'm working, working. I, I'm in floor covering business. Okay. And uh work for a company that does new home construction. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're essential, and we've been continuously working, you yeah. know, because people need houses. So Well, I'm th- I- thankful, you know, but...
0: That's <laughs> what it is yeah well i mean I, I just deliver pizza and so i'm considered essential i'm still out there working you mind if i smoke no go ahead <laughs> oh and uh
1: what about cussing and shit i mean i yeah that's good I, i'm a i cuss like a sailor i mean sometimes <laughs> i control it but hanging out with somebody as cool as you are <laughs> I'm gonna I'm a slip up. Plus, I've been drinking a little bit. Yeah, so.
0: and and, and that, that's there's there's no problem with it. I mean, I always list okay. it as ex- explicit on the podcast thing. It ask you if it is or not. I always do because a lot of the songs I play have cussing in them anyway. So, and like even when I do the live stuff, like uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I did a an hour at seven o'clock, and yeah. I played Flight Risk and I played um, Hot Trash, which mm-hmm. man, the lyrics in that one because I was kind of thinking that my seven o'clock hour would be my tame hour and it wouldn't be so crazy. Yeah, right. And then I just decided I was like, fuck it, man. I'm just going to go ahead and play That's this it. song. I was like, you know, there shouldn't be any kids watching this anyway. And if they do, they listen to worse shit than that anyway. Um, right. It's, it's, well, it's,
1: they're killing people on, you know, grand theft auto and yeah, having sex on grand theft auto, living out that fantasy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a different world for sure. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, i mean you know when i was a kid i i listened to two live crew and shit
1: i had a i had a uh eddie murphy vinyl yeah delirious mm-hmm. and i was probably twelve and uh my stepfather my mom didn't really care like she was pretty lenient with me yeah you know she just let me experience the world but my stepfather at the time they weren't married they were just boyfriend and girlfriend but he came in the room and uh confiscated it like a dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> he confiscated my eddie murphy uh delirious and uh but by that time i already had it all memorized so <laughs> a lot of my background is you know i was never good enough to be a stand-up comedian yeah but I, I really enjoy the art of it you know and, and a lot of great comedians same here So I'm- that, that kind of plays into my music as Bub Hala. You know, not so much in in the more serious things like Voom, yeah, Vortex, of Old Men, certainly above Hollow. You know, where I have a free for all. It's just oh yeah, my 2006 album Above Hollow Holidays. I coined it uh, Prankster Rap. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it had that underlying comedic value.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and see, I'm the same because I like when I was growing up, my dad was always into stand up comedy. And you know he would let me watch certain things if it was on, and and he turned me on to like at a real young age David Letterman and of course watching the comedians right. on that, but then also in his record collection he had you know Richard Pryor and he had mm-hmm. George Carlin and Steve Martin yep. and you know I fell in love with those albums at a pretty young age you know when it was probably not I probably shouldn't really be listening to it but right you know it it served me well so I'm I'm glad I am glad I found that
1: yeah my dad my dad used to play. Uh... Richard Pryor, he'd be getting drunk, and we'd just be hanging out, and I was young. Yeah. He would uh, repeat some of the bits. Yeah. You stupid motherfucker, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, and, and see my dad do that shit was hilarious to me as a kid. Yeah. That, that's, where I, that's where I get a lot of my humor, too, is my father, man. Yeah,
0: yeah. Same here. He was
1: very uh, hermit. He was a hermit kind of guy. Drank and smoke and just hung out by himself. But unfortunately, a lot of people never got to experience him. Yeah. At, at you know, like I did. Got something that's kinda hard to swallow. My name is Pup, so give me a dollar. I keep the change cause I like it that way. I need it, son, so you don't worry about me. Make the way as I hit the stage, tearing it up, even if I'm old age, been kicking the pieces since I was about four feet, and never said no this a good about some boats, never figure me out. Cause feel like a ghost. You brought to see that you wanna be me, but that ain't gonna have a Was it a dream? I had a dream about being you, and maybe feel sick, maybe wanna go cute. I sobered up fast I'm not coming and now. Figure out why they call me Bob Holla. Bob
0: So I'm talking to uh to Bob Holler, or um yeah. some people probably just know you as Brent. Is there a reason for the, the pseudonym or the, the... Yes, there is. And and, and, and do, do I even need to cut your, your real name out of this, or do you want to even...
1: No, 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 it's fine. Um, initially, I, was, I wasn't even calling it anything. I was just writing stuff, got a shitty-ass little keyboard, a little Casio keyboard, and, you know, even using, like, ashtrays, uh, you know, I'd take the one-hitter and hit on the ashtray as, like, percussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know just get high and use a four track in the very very beginning i was using two jam boxes yeah yeah i would, I'd record on one and then play it back and then play with that and back and forth you know i think we've all done that at one point <laughs> yeah well out of necessity you yeah. know if
0: you don't have the money for it for the real gear i mean it was it's fun to play around with that stuff when you're first learning to play music
1: I did, I did like I I don't know, it was maybe like 10 tracks, whatever, I I just, on the four track, I would just uh, come up with stuff, you know, the keyboard would be a lot of inspiration, some of the, you know, uh, preloaded jams or whatever, I would just get in there and mess around with, and just write funny stuff to, and uh, at the time, I was working at an oil and air filter plant, and I was. Cutting, I was cutting sheet metal I was a sheet metal shearer <laughs> and uh there was a guy that worked right beside of me his name was Wayne Buffalo so I was probably 20 21 mm. years old and he was already you know late 30s maybe even early 40s at the time so yeah he and I cut up all the time but anyway he was a musician as well he played guitar and had been in bands you know so he and I just really clicked yeah and, uh, but he liked fucking with me cause I was a youngster, you know, and, uh, I was playing some of my stuff at the plant, you know, for him yeah. and, uh, and he already, I was in a band at the time called it could be nothing.
0: Oh yeah. We'll talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we were doing, you know, this was, you know, just the stuff I was doing on the side or whatever. Yeah. And he heard it knowing, you know, that I was in, it could be nothing or whatever. He, he actually coined the phrase he said Brent unbanded because <laughs> it was me doing my solo stuff without the band. So he said Brent unbanded and I'm, and I looked at it and I'm like, "Bub." Mm-hmm. And so I just, at that moment took the name Bub, and
0: yeah. that's
1: what I named that first little, it was just a little cassette tape. Yeah. You know, I made like a hundred copies or something. Yeah. And, uh, it was just Bub Brent unbanded. Yeah. And that's, where it was from the beginning, and then uh, it's a funny story. I was in a record store, just walking through. I don't think I was there for to buy something, or maybe it was like a Walmart or something like that. Mm. But I remember walking through the music section, and I saw a CD, and it said Big Bub, <laughs> and it had this big black guy on there, you know. And I'm like, well, I can't be Little Bub. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta distinguish myself from Bub, and my last name is Holland. Yeah. Like country and holla is a slang in the rap world. Yeah. So I just said, bub holla. I like it. (laughs) And, and then I put it together. It's supposed to be one word, but like on Facebook, it's bub holla. Yeah. Yeah. And then being in the South, people call me bubba holla. (laughs) I'm not bubba holla. It's bub holla. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a long Story about how that name came about, but it is what it is. I just took took to it at, at that point.
0: Yeah, and so I think I think you use that with Vortex Vol Men, right? It's still like Bub Hollow plays bass. Yeah, exactly.
1: But like yeah, in some, I don't
0: know in Dirty Box, you were just Dirty Brent.
1: Dirty Brent, but but it was actually Bub Hollow.
0: I so, think I saw it listed as both at, at different places. So Bub
1: Hollow is is like an alter ego that I created, and I and I've kind of grown into it. As, like, a thing. You know, like, I always talk about Bob Holland in the third person because he's, like, split personality, if you will. It's kind of like Superman and Clark Kent. You know, like, I'm Clark Kent. And all I have to do is take these glasses off and put these on. And now I'm Bob (laughs) Holland, you know? What's up? And I get funky, you know? Even though I'm an old dude and all that, I still got some cool, a couple cool moves left. (laughs) But these glasses, I've had these for a while. The main reason I like them is they look crazy and they just make you look happy, you know, like <laughs> bug-eyed boogaloo. But the, my favorite part is the uh, the star on the side. Hell yeah! <laughs> so that makes me feel like a like a rock star, you know, something bigger than I am. Bob hollow. Yo yo!
0: I had to do a print screen real quick and then go and like paste it into to paint so nice. I can so I have a picture of of, of you in the glasses.
1: <laughs> but yeah, and that's another thing about Bob Holly. People always are like they see me and they're like, "Well, you just look like a regular dude, you know." Like they don't they don't think I would do the music, you know. Yeah. They're like, "Is that you? Did you do that?" I'm like, "Yeah."
0: <laughs> so, we, but hey,
1: also before you ask me anything else, yeah. I just want to totally like commends you for everything you're doing for the music scene i mean it's very inspiring makes me feel like i don't do enough (laughs) but i see with all these shows and putting this out there and i know it's you know something that's starting small but i i think you'll be very successful at it if you keep doing it thank you man i I appreciate it i I, I really appreciate it and i back you too uh i I, I know know. it's only five bucks a month but you know, if I could do more, I will, because I I really like what you're doing, man. I just
0: want I, I do appreciate it. Off. I hope I hope you got you, you should have gotten your zines a while back. I, I sent I you did, a package. I did. I turned
1: um, I turned some people on to it too. Yeah,
0: I, I appreciate that. I really do, and, and and it really makes me feel good for you to say that. But I, I, I do it because I really I this I love this. Of um, course you do. I, I love
1: how you'll be successful. I've done it
0: for Yeah, I mean I've been in the music scene for almost thirty years. You know, all, on and off. <laughs> And, um, I just recently realized that, that I want to do more with it and do more to help promote it because we don't get a whole lot of help, especially for our little portion of the scene. And and it's funny because we don't really have a, uh, like a, a punk rock scene or, uh, we've got this, like, it's like an underground rock scene and it, and it's yeah. bands like Van Huskins, bands like No Anger Control, Vortex of Old Men, War Boys. Uh, the fill ins, it's that we're all so vastly different, but it's like yep. it's heavier flight rock. It, they yeah, were, were kind
1: of becoming that glue too.
0: It's it's a it's a heavier rock, but it's not really. There's no definition to it because right. no band really fits into one category anyway. So you know, I just I don't know. I I love it, and I just want to I want to I want to help support that part part of the scene. Well,
1: hell yeah, and I mean I've you've turned me on to some shit that I've not heard.
0: Yeah. You know, And, and some of the stuff I know people have heard years ago and haven't heard in a while. But, you know, and, and even yeah. the things I do on Saturday night just to hang out. It's like, you know, there's no shows to go to. I'm going to play right. some music and if people want to show up and hang out, I love that. It's fun. Change it's fun. the world, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're just going to do a little bit at a time and just change the world. Like you said.
1: Got that component. Don't get it on you. got you might lead you to your coffin your hands often. Use extreme caution when you walking and you're talking in the street somebody put a post and we talking about that like what what's the concert thing gonna be like what's you know shows gonna be like and then somebody put in there how about a drive-in rock show yeah and I'm like dude that would be an awesome idea like if you could come you know Find some drive-in theater that would let you set up. and But you'd have to have a way to port it to people's radio. Yeah,
0: yeah, you'd have to have like car. a little broadcaster there. Um, that's a good idea. But that would be cool. That is. We ought to look into that. I mean, I think the future of shows is going to be just like we've been experiencing. I just think that might be possibly a year and a half or two years away before we get back to that, and and My, i and i hate to keep is. saying that that far out but i just want to be realistic about it because you know i'd like to think that maybe in june we can go hang out and see some shows yeah we had
1: we vortex had a show uh scheduled for may 8th yeah at tommy's mm-hmm. well that's the day they're lifting the ban or whatever but or you know the stay at home crap maybe you know we ain't gonna have no damn show at no tommy's pub where like you know 37
0: people and it's packed out. Yeah, yeah. And and we've got one scheduled for May 30th, but I just, I pretty don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, even that first first, uh, phase or whatever is going to be, it's not going to include bars. And then that second (laughs) phase may include bars, but it's going to be at reduced attendance, I mean, uh, uh, capacity. And I just don't see the confidence, uh, people having confidence to go back out just yet. Well, outdoor shows, and I honestly think that this isn't gonna happen as soon as May I think it's gonna get pushed back because our numbers past two days went up
1: but you almost you almost need a uh, seating yeah you know so that you can you need like a place like,
0: yeah because Tommy's you don't you really can't stand six feet apart from somebody in Tommy's No. you can no. maybe do it milestone but you'd have like 12 people in there which of, of course yeah. is, is well, that's which a milestone. is that's
1: a milestone show. that's a Charlotte there. show we'll be there.
0: You know, place like Neighborhood Theater or a big place like that. You could, you know, a handful of people in. I don't know. I oh, just, yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be a little while before we see big shows. But I think once it's all said and done, back to what the original point was, I think it's going to be a lot like it was, you know, two months ago. I hope so. I do, too. You can't exchange
1: that intimacy that you have in a, you know, a club.
0: People are going to miss it. But once people feel safe going back out again... Yeah, I think, I think it will. It's just, you know, at first, people might be still wearing masks and things like that. Yeah,
1: I've been wearing one, but I have a 70-year-old that lives here, and she yeah. has C D. You know, my wife's been working from home, and, you know, she's obviously retired. Not my wife, but the yeah. mother-in-law. And I'm going out every day, so I'm masking up. I've got these cool glasses that go over these glasses, so they're yeah. like... They're almost like safety glasses, but they're sunglasses. Yeah, uh, those are actually my dad's. So, yeah, I'm f- feeling little at his presence when I wear them. Makes me feel cool.
0: We're having to wear a mask at work too, and I figure for what it's worth, it's 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 better than nothing. But I still feel like a yeah. lot of it's a uh, um, false sense of security. A lot of the things we're doing.
1: I know you probably don't agree with this concept, but did you see the uh, Domino's Pizza autumn automated? cars Yeah. and you walk up to the fucking car and, and type your number in or whatever yeah. <laughs> and the, then it comes down and the fucking pizza comes out.
0: Well, I don't plan to be here forever. So if they ever do come out with that, you know, hopefully it's after I get done with it. I, I plan to do other things. Hopefully with <laughs> some of the stuff I'm learning to do with this, you know, some, some, yeah. somehow one way or another, you know, in the meantime, it's it's pretty good money. Money's really good right now. And oh, it's, yeah. and it's low sure. stress and it and it provides me the freedom I need to do this, this stuff. So so what what got you into rock music when you were a kid? Uh, and about how old were you when you oh, got into rock uh, music?
1: Well, I have a brother that's eight years older than me. So okay. when I was eight, he was 16. So he turned me on to a lot of, uh, you know, classic rock. Van uh, Halen and... Queen, Van oh. Halen. Yeah. Pink Floyd, Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And then my mother, she listened to like soft rock. Yeah. You know, so like Linda Ronstadt and okay. you know, Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. that kind of you know, hop on the bus, Gus, <laughs> make a new plan, Stan. Yeah. That that whole thing, so that had a lot of influence on me, you know. She would be cleaning the house or whatever, you know, and playing that music. But uh yeah, Van Halen uh, was probably one of the, the prominent, you know, A C D C like we used to have a community pool. Uh, I used to live in Cramerton, North Carolina, yeah. and we had a community pool, and people would just be, you know. Uh, I think back then it was WROQ. Yep, The Rock. <laughs> 95.7. 95.7, WROQ. And uh, ACDC, man. Dirty deeds, done dirt cheap, yep. that kind of stuff. Uh, I had some childhood friends, and they turned me on. One of, one of my friends was a huge KISS fan. Mm hmm. And so it was all, you know, Kiss Army and Detroit Rock City, that kind of stuff. Another buddy of mine was in the Rush. I think that was in the Signals era. Yeah. So I got turned on to them later and then, you know, went back after I really figured out how amazing they were. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then another buddy of mine turned me on to Black Sabbath. Yeah. And that just, you know, Ozzy, Geezer, Tony... And, Bill, that was the best. That was the best shit. That, that like, just made my day. I don't know uh, what really about it. It's just the heaviness and the, you know, the sludge. It just felt just felt dirty. It know? was
0: definitely life-changing for me. And, and I guess I'll take this opportunity to tell my Black Sabbath story. So when we were first getting into, like, metal and, and classic rock and, and all that stuff, you know, we'd listen to Led Zeppelin, but Black Sabbath was still a little bit of a mystery to us. So we were, right. at the, we were at the mall in Shelby, the Cleveland Mall, with the church group one night. Just I don't know why we were out there. We were just one of those nights where they took us out to have fun and, and to just socialize, I guess. So I stole Black Sabbath, the, the first Black Sabbath album. I stole that on cassette at Walden Books. They just had it out. I just picked it up, stuck it in my pocket. And that was my introduction to Black Sabbath. I fell in love with that album. Church was my introduction to Black Sabbath, and, and I stole the cassette while I was with the church group. Oh, well. I still have the cassette too. I still have that one that really I, that I stole the original. That's
1: amazing! One. That's a great Sabbath story. Right. So,
0: stole it. Yep. <laughs> my my stealing crew didn't last too long though, because not long after that, I stole something at Carowinds and got busted doing it, and then got banned from Carowinds for a year. And it was I had to miss seeing Bob Dylan that year because we had tickets to go see him. Oh at the plate man! Time. Oh well. Wow! The things you learn. <laughs> yep. So anyway, back to you. <laughs> oh. So you got, um, and so you, you're fairly young. You got into to rock and roll.
1: I got into rock and roll. I did. I don't know, man. You know that was a wild time because I was born in '71. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know the early '70s, growing up, and then whenever I got into like junior high school, that's when the you know uh, that movie Breaking yep. came out. <laughs> And I was all about that, you know. Oh, yeah. I I I went through that phase. I have a drawing because I used to, like, draw a lot, even though I'm not that great at it. Same. I just had fun doing it. I have this drawing of a band with, like, you know, the risers and shit like Kiss. Yeah. You know, so you got a guitar player on this one, a bass player over here, Mm. a drummer. And the drums I drew were electric drums. They were, like, octagon-shaped drums. Yeah. And then I had two dudes break dancing, and then a uh, I think a chick <laughs> singer with like a mohawk, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I had all that mix, yeah, from uh, you know throughout my growing up, you know. Then the 80s, and I mean, God, you know, just she blinded me with science, you know. That was a big one for me, and the, like skating rink, yeah, baby dance. You know, all that I was influenced just like everybody else with you know, the mainstream shit.
0: Yeah. And we really did. We grew up in a good era because at that time the mainstream <laughs> stuff was actually some of it was an offshoot of uh, offshoot of punk rock. It was just what had become oh yeah a little Devo, bit more homogenized, but it was still it still was our introduction to it.
1: American Bandstand.
0: Yeah. Fucking uh how did you get music? I mean
1: I used to watch Lawrence from Welk.
0: Yeah. I mean you know, that or you'd watch anything that had music on it we'd watch.
1: Um and when I was at my dad's house, I mean, you know, you only had fucking, like, what, five channels on mm-hmm. the TV. You had to do it yourself. And every morning was the gospel singing Jubilee. Yep. <laughs> that was a huge influence on me. You know, I heard, you know, my grandfather was a big bluegrass guy. And uh you got some of that. You know, I mean, it's mainly gospel. But there was some country bumpkins on yeah. there. You know, and I used to watch the hell out of that. I enjoyed uh Lawrence Welk, I didn't enjoy. I
0: didn't see I didn't enjoy that too much either. See, at my, I used to watch that at one of my grandparents' house, but I always liked when I went to my other grandparents' house because we'd watch Hee Haw over there instead. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Hee Haw,
1: another great music thing. Uh, Yeah, country. uh, That old
0: country. Yeah, uh, the real
1: country. I don't know what the hell they're doing in country today either.
0: I don't know something about riding riding a pickup on a Saturday night and everything feels all right.
1: Got it. And (laughs) I'm sitting around like. Man, I could write that shit all day long, like, but it's just not in me. You know, I, just, I never wanted to like go that direction in music. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Once I became, you know, like a teenager, I met Brian Thompson, yeah. who's the drummer of Vortex of Old Mint and a couple other guys, uh, Eric and Chris, and there were the four of us, and we would go to Brian's house, and Brian had a drum kit, full mm-hmm. drum kit. And he had a a PV guitar, PV amp, Mm -hmm. he could play guitar, and he could play drums. Yeah. And uh, I remember the specific day, he taught me how to play drums, he taught Chris how to play drums, he taught Eric how to play drums, just your basic, you know, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Just a very simple, basic beat. Yeah. I was hooked, Mm -hmm. immediately, because I'm like, I can do something and, you know, express myself Mm-hmm. You know, I guess is how you would look at it, but you know, after several weeks of us going over there, and you got Eric playing on the guitar, and Chris is now playing drums, and Chris is getting better than Brian. Yeah. Like, just from Brian showed him a couple things, and, and Chris just excelled at this thing. You know, he's just playing the crap out of it. So, Brian's playing guitar primarily, and Eric got a bass. Mm-hmm. and here i am just you know pud in hand like i got nothing i don't have a bass i don't have a guitar i don't have a drum they're all you know i felt like left out right
0: you want to be a singer
1: i didn't even think of it that's how <laughs> stupid it's like no you know i didn't think about a voice as an instrument yeah. at all you know and i and i wasn't i never really sang like i guess i sang along with shit but i yeah, yeah. I was I was in chorus. I take that back. I was in chorus and drama I took some drama classes, but I'm talking like you know fifth and sixth grade crap. You know summer enrich summer enrichment programs. I was in a Oliver Twist. Okay. In a summer enrichment program, but I was like uh, one of the dancers. You know, it was couples dancing. That's part of the play or whatever. But
0: anyway. I think it take a, takes a special kind of bravery to be a singer anyway and so a lot of us just don't even think oh, like yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't want to stand up there without an instrument to hide behind
1: For a Casio keyboard. Okay. And and my, my mom, stepdad, got me a Casio keyboard. So mm-hmm. then I was like, at least I had something, you know? Yeah. I was like, but I'm the keyboard player, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> you know, being a keyboard player, what the hell? You know, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I always wanted to play piano, but never took lessons or anything. Yeah. And we would go in the band room, and I had the keyboard, and we're playing, like, bang your head. I'm going, meow, meow,
0: meow.
1: <laughs> yeah. meow, meow, meow,
0: meow, That's about you know, how far could, I got on keyboard. I could
1: get the notes right, but mm-hmm. it, just yeah. didn't, it didn't really sound good. <laughs> it didn't really add to anything. You know, they're all rocking out and I'm over here, you know, hunting and pecking. And, uh, but anyway, one day Eric asked Brian if he could borrow his guitar mm-hmm. overnight. And Brian was like, yeah, man, take it, you know? And he left. And I'm sitting there, and Bryant had these the the band room. It was just a room upstairs, like a bonus room or whatever. And it had these dormer windows, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a beanbag under the dormer window. And when Eric left, he left his bass sitting on the beanbag yeah. in the window. And I was probably high, but I'm sitting there. And it was like one of those moments in a movie, you know, where you get like tunnel vision, <laughs> and then the lights shining through the window yeah. <laughs> on the bass, you know, it's like. <gasps> and I'm like, well, he took Brian's guitar. There's the bass. And I didn't even ask. I just took it, took the bass, and I went home and I had this really cool stereo that had a record player an eight track player and it had an input that you could plug an instrument into and it would come through the speakers.
0: Mm -hmm. I think I had one of those put on like
1: Brian Adams cuts like a knife, you know, and play along Mm -hmm. or try to hunt and peck. And I guess I was into like rat and docking bands like that. Uh, I would put it on and, and just hunt and peck man and
0: try to figure it out. I did a lot of that. That's, that's, that's kind of how I got my start too. And I'd figure out little things like smoke on the water or, right. you know, sort of how to play satisfaction, but not really, you know, I'd figure out little things right. like that when I was first learning on guitar or whatever. And then bass later, but I had the same thing, the same kind of setup, a stereo where you could just plug right into it and you could play along with whatever was playing on the stereo. Yeah. Yeah. it's killer.
1: I think I was actually predisposed to play bass. It wasn't until later that I figured that out though, because when I was a little kid, The lady next door, she was from like Yugoslavia or or somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where. I can't remember. Her name was Maria, and her husband's name was Tom, and it was one of those, you know, he was in the service over there. They met, got married. and Well, he played the upright bass jazz, you know, and he would put on the record and sit there and play to it, and I was being babysat Mm -hmm. over there at the house, and I would just sit there and watch him play. Yeah. So I know that had a lot to do with the fact that I could listen to Black Sabbath and hear the bass line, you know, separated from guitar. Like a lot of people that listen to music that don't that aren't musically inclined, I don't think they hear the individual parts. No, I don't think so. And pieces. And I and I can't not hear the individual Yeah. Parts and pieces. I, w- I wish I could, but I've always been bass driven, mm-hmm. if you will. I understand that. So I think that's why when I finally got a bass, it, it really stuck. Yeah. And it's not like I was a failed guitar player, you know, that, oh, I guess I'll play bass. Yeah. I, mean, I actually like it. I, w- I went to it.
0: I-, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I never really gave guitar enough of a shot to consider myself a failed guitar player. I just right. I, I dicked around with it a little bit and I figured a few things out, but I never really committed myself to it. But when I held a bass in my hand, all of a sudden I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna figure this out. And and it's made me a better guitar player, but still as a bass it yeah. just made sense to me and, and I've really as an instrument, I've I figured that it's a figured it out
1: too damn hard. Um the second most influential person in my musical career is Jay Fernandez. Yeah. Uh, he and I started playing, you know, a similar age. He He's a very good guitar player. Oh, yeah, he is. Extremely good and tasty, like, right. He writes really tasty things, solos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not all just, you know, flash and watch what I can do. Jay, he's,
0: he's so good.
1: Yeah, he's really good, and, and uh, you know, he used to beat me up all the time, like, call me up and say, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm not playing a video game or something. He's like, get over here, we gotta do fucking finger exercises. We yeah. <laughs> would sit there and play together, like, yeah. not playing anything, just playing notes and Dang. get better. <laughs> but he was like cracking the whip, you know, like, yeah. you need to get better. That's the only way, we, you know, we're gonna get famous you know at that time
0: yeah so what was the first band that you played in was it grandma dynamite or did you play in something before no that?
1: no the very the very first actual band uh it was bryant the guy eric yeah his name eric stevens and chris eichner and myself and we were called dark season dark season all right <laughs> yeah. i mean you know we primarily made Maybe played like three cover songs, and then most of the other things were just like jams that never went anywhere. Yeah, Yeah. it was just it was our first attempt that Mm -hmm. you know we didn't have a singer. Obviously, we're just get high and drink beer and get in a bedroom and just jam. Yeah, didn't really matter. I mean, we couldn't even hardly. I don't. I don't think maybe four times we made it all the way through a song, (laughs) you know, like we played just like parts, but you know, that was, that was cutting your teeth. That was, you know, figuring it out, you know, having amps blow up and go dormant because you don't have the money to get, get something else. you (laughs) You have to borrow something from someone else. Yeah. But that was fun. You know, actually in, uh, basically the end of that, I went to a, uh, Battle of the Bands okay. at Bible Music <laughs> down on Stonewall. Yeah, uh, and Jay was there. Me, it was me and Eric from Dark Season, and mm-hmm. Jay and Jonathan Jonathan Beaver, who was Jay's bass player. Yeah. with Jay and Jay's brother David was the drummer, and we were kind of like rival bands, you know, if you will. Yeah, it was just you know that it didn't really mean anything it's just they played we <laughs> played and, you know we're better than y'all are. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're like 16 17 you know it's like stupid we, but
0: we, we had one of those at one point that was kind of fun
1: <laughs> yeah yeah anyway we went to see this battle of bands and uh and i'd actually been over to to cj and jonathan and, and david and i'd been over to, to watch their practices and everything and, mm. and they were they were good, you know. They they were, they could play together and, and go through several songs.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and that was impressive to me. Being in a band that couldn't make it through a song, so I always had this little thing about Jay, and I think at that time we we talked about jamming together, you know. Yeah, and uh, but it wasn't long after that that he and I started playing together and uh, got a different drummer and started playing. We were playing some covers but we were always working on originals. Yeah. Stuff. Original music. You know, and Jay was very creative. And then for some reason I could just play to whatever he played. Yeah. You know, he he would primarily lead it and, and uh write the stuff and and then we both beat up on the drummer. We call him stupid and you know, like <laughs> you're playing too fast or too slow and yeah. We gave that I don't even
0: want to say his name, but we gave that so
1: <laughs> Oh my god, I feel
0: so bad. We beat him up. You don't have to say the name, but is it somebody that like still plays today? No, or? no. Okay, no. He's he was <laughs> he, you know,
1: wrote off in the sun, in the sunset, yeah, yeah.
0: if you will. I figured so, but I just I was curious. <laughs> but
1: but that was the project that it was the three of us, me and Jay and the drummer, and we started working. We had like six original tunes. Yeah, it was just you know instrumental. We didn't we didn't have a singer uh and then Bryant had moved up to the mountains, like Weaverville area around Asheville mm-hmm. and he had gotten a band with Tony who is molasses, you know, the singer yeah. for vortex. And I remember going up there and seeing them a couple times. Uh, they had a little band going on and it was funny there was one time that uh, I went and saw him. Tony had a set of headphones as his microphone yeah he he had his the the headphones on like this uh-huh. and then the yeah plugged to an amp yeah and he's screaming screaming into this <laughs> headphone so he didn't have a mic and i was like dude i mean that just shows you know you'll do whatever it takes to get it get it done
0: <laughs> i remember when i figured that out that you could do that and that was pretty cool yeah <laughs> that's
1: like that's like the first time figuring out octaves on a guitar you're like oh
0: wow
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah. so then uh brian and tony came down one weekend and uh met me and jay and we played them the stuff and and they were like all on board like we're moving down here and we're putting this band together and that became grandma Dynamo. yeah the to mm-hmm. one area, and uh, we, played, we played several shows, and we had, we had this uh, bar. Uh, it's right in between Gastonia and Bessemer City. Yeah, out there on uh, seventy four, called the Twilight Zone. Do you Twilight remember the Zone. Twilight Zone? I don't
0: remember that, but
1: yeah, it's, it's like as soon as you pass you know, uh, where the McDonald's. Yeah. At, on seventy four, just yeah, really The last part of Gastonia And you yeah. go start going over those hills. Yeah. I think there was even like a putt putt
0: out there. Yeah. There used to be a putt putt out there. And... and
1: like, as soon as you pass the putt, putt, make a U-turn and it was like this little, it's okay. Yeah. I know, really I, yeah I know.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, know, had like I remember. A dock, you know, yep, with I remember. Mm-hmm. Shit. I absolutely and, uh, remember it now. <laughs> Fast Eddie
1: Fast was the owner of that place, man. And, we had a blast there. It was a it was a BYOB. Yeah. Brown bag kind of place and uh I hear they, you know, did some illicit uh drug use <laughs> or cells or Probably something. Probably so, yeah. <laughs> um but they would come down on us if we were we smoked a joint one time in the backstage area and and Eddie came in there like raising hell like <laughs> kicking us out cuz we were smoking weed and it Yeah. Was, Fine establishment, but we, <laughs> that's where we cut our teeth, man. You know, I mean, we uh played with bands like Big Shot, God's Water, yeah, you know, these were bigger bands. You know, it was fun. It was it was uh it was hilarious. I mean, we 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 recorded a live thing there, but again, you know, we never really did anything. I mean, we we played and we got better. I, I sent you that uh that tune off my leg set yeah which was that was a great uh capture of of like what we were about at that time uh it sounds amazing i mean you know the songs are kind of long and kind of party and you know but that that's what we did back then yeah you know? but i mean i think it's a it's a good representation and, and the panasonic rx 5030 <laughs> really captured it you know it's got those killer condenser mic i had to, I bought one, actually my wife got it for me for Christmas, Mm -hmm. we had been looking for one and I I got it, it's the same model and everything, and we've been using that to do our uh, Vortex uh, jam in our band room, because it it just, it captures everything, you can hear everything individually, and and it's, there's no, nothing to set up, you just put the jam box down and hit record, and it sounds fantastic, I mean it's a little overdriven, which kind of makes it even cooler. Yeah. Which brings me to the third person that was the most influential, and especially on Bob uh, was Jeff Floyd, who is, he's in the Negulators. Yeah. Uh, he was in Kudzu Ganja. Yep, that's when I met him. Pro Chow Tiger, I mean, yeah. he's, he's subculture. I met him and Bo Brown around the 11th grade. So that would have been, like, 88, maybe. Yeah. I met Bo first, actually, like at the convenience store next to the high school, Yeah, you know, smoking by the propane tanks, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, brilliant. I knew he was a bass player, and he knew I was a bass player, and he was in the punk rock. He just told me that they were getting ready to go on tour with Subculture and Mm. no effects. Yeah. And I was like, "Who the hell is that?" You know? <laughs> and then I didn't see him. You know, the, he went for the summer, and I didn't see him again until the fall. You know, going back to school, he invited me out to his lake house, and that's where I met Jeff. Yeah. And they really turned me on to what subculture was, what No Effects was, and they had a side project with uh, Fred Hutchison, who was the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, subculture called Thirty Foot Beast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, Bo's got some of that recording, man. I've, was- I've
0: got it. It's you it. got it? Yeah, I've got it. That's good. Yeah, that's
1: just crazy. But that—I mean, what a fantastic name, Thirty Foot beats. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for punk rock too. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. But yeah, like Jeff just fascinated me, man. He—he's just—he's a, a character. Mm. You know, almost cartoon character like. Oh yeah. <laughs> his way of describing things is just fascinating
0: to me he, I, I love to hear him talk i mean uh, just was, oh, yeah. i, I listen back to the episode that i had them on um mm-hmm. it's just he tells a good story and just the way he talks it's so expressive yeah. and it just makes you feel what he's saying mm-hmm. it's good I, I, See, I love it one
1: time before i ever did acid he explained to me what an acid trip was yeah and that was the one of the most hilarious conversations <laughs> I've ever heard of. i bet uh, but he did a really good job of it because when I eventually did do acid, I, I could relate. Oh, that's what Jeff talked about. <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious. But, but I, I saw him, he would sit there and play drums on a guitar case and the floor. Yeah. And record it on one jam box and then break out the other one and put the bassline on. Yeah. And then play that louder put the guitar apart, and then eventually, you know, get the vocals on there. And he would do this over and over. And they're, like, good songs. And He would already have everything in his brain when he did the drum part. You know, like, he had already thought about every stop, because there would be, like, intricate fills and stops and all that. And he would, like, nail it, and it just just did something to me. You know, it's like, man, like, look at that you know the creative expression and plus he was just a cool dude you know but extremely influential on me he let me know that nothing's stopping you from doing whatever the fuck you want to do musically you know obviously in bands you know there's other people involved and you gotta work those relationships and you can just take a tape recorder and do whatever the hell you want to (laughs) do so that's Bob Holland when it very first started I would say Jay was playing drums. This guy, uh, L.S. Brown, which is uh, Scott Brown, who was in a band called Cedar Grove that yeah. was from Gastonia. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, yeah, You need to get some of their stuff and play it too, man. They, they used to come watch Grandma Dynamite and learn from from that you know and they they became a killer little outfit
0: yeah i found i found some of their stuff i think on reverb nation because I, I do want to play them I, i'm friends with aaron so oh, okay. I, I, yeah, definitely, yeah. I definitely i definitely want to play them yeah, i love aaron yeah great Damn it! What was I fucking talking about? <laughs> well, we were talking about Cedar Grove, so you're talking about. Um, we talk about Bob Hollow. Oh, oh uh, Jay was playing yeah. drums. So,
1: Jay's on drums. Scott Brown's on guitar, and Jonathan Deaver, who was Jay's older bass player guy. They were just over hanging out, and we were in the band room uh, for Grandma Dynamite, which was Grandma's loft. It was like a tool shed with a building built on top of it Mm -hmm. and we were in there just jamming around before the guys got there so that grandma could play yeah and we just they were just doing this like free jam thing and i was i've always been a huge easy e fan and uh i did one of his songs (laughs) i just did the rap over the thing that they were jamming on yeah and and that was really like the the beginning of Bub that, that just, it, it gave me that feeling that I get when I do that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not the greatest rapper on the planet. <laughs> you know, I, I was more doing it just cause it, it makes me feel good, you know? And I think it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, it works. And this, this, this guy rapping, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it, it just
1: doesn't really like compute, you know, it's not like I'm like Eminem or, you know, Scarface or <laughs> Nuke dog, but I just have fun doing it, you know, and yeah. I like to do it in a comedic way. But that those those things kind of led up to me wanting to do this on the side. Yeah, I prefer to play bass, mm-hmm. you know, and I like playing heavy, and you know, that that's like if I had my druthers, I would rather do that. Crank it up and let's rock with other people and and feel that chemistry. And but. In the meantime, I can do this shit on the
0: side. Yeah, it's fun. It's
1: fun. Yeah. Hey! Coming out of my butt, monsters coming out of my butt, monsters coming out of my
0: butt. So, after uh, Grandma Dynamite, I guess it could be nothing came along, or did you play? Was there something between that?
1: After Grandma Dynamite, me and Bryant and Jeff Floyd, Bryant's grandma died, mm. and we lived in her house. Yeah, after she passed away, we formed Kudzu Ganja, the three of us. Okay doing a similar thing with the jam boxes and yeah, just yeah. writing stuff. And actually, a friend of my brother, uh, they went golfing. And I've I known knew this guy for a long time. And they let me drive the cart. Mm. Like, I, I wasn't playing golf. You know, I was still young. And they were smoking weed. And uh, at that time, you know, I don't know, I was probably 14 or 15. I'm like, what kind is it? You know, because back in the day, you could – You'd have purple hair or red hair <laughs> yeah. or Colombian or it had a name, you know. And I asked him, what is that weed called? And he said, Kudzu Ganja. Because <laughs> he grew it himself yeah. and he he planted it in the kudzu. Okay. <laughs> amongst the kudzu to try to hide it. Yeah. You know? So he just called it Kudzu Ganja. And I'm like, that is an awesome name. And I always <laughs> just remembered that. So when me and Brian and Jeff started doing the song these like some of it's almost like just parody crap you know yeah. like we did like a talk show called the uh, sunny tomorrow show <laughs> where we had we played out like actors and stuff and it was all just audio yeah but we we formed Kudzu ganja and then bo came because him and jeff have such a relationship and uh i mean he's a fantastic musician yeah bo's an excellent bass player uh, but he plays guitar, killer, and obviously he's a drummer Drum too. too yeah. <laughs> he's gotten much better. Yeah. on drums, very impressive. But uh, with Kudzu, we were kind of doing like what negulators do, is like switching instruments and shit. You know, mm-hmm. like I would write this song on guitar, for instance, or you know, and I'd play bass on this song, and it just got to a point where like I was pay- playing bass the least. Yeah, and I and I. Was wanting to play bass more, yeah, and and I was kind of not forced into being the frontman or whatever, but it was leaning towards that. Like I was playing a lot more guitar and yeah, singing and and it just it just wasn't what I was wanting to do at the time. So I yeah. left, and yeah. and uh, and then they brought in I think Kevin Tichy was uh, the next guitar player. Yeah, but they. They kind of spinal tapped and had a bunch of different guitar players. They had Dave Boss, who's yeah. with Twin Tanglers now, and he yeah. was in uh, Barry Box as well. Love Dave. He's a great guy. Dave is awesome dude. Oh, yeah. But yeah, after Kudzu, I think I just messed around. Like me and Scott Brown, we did a little thing. Uh, we called it uh, It Beat a Shit. <laughs> and it was just a little four track, you know, yeah. jam session, basically. Yeah. Um, what else did we do? Oh, uh, shortly after the kudzu thing, me and Jay and Molasses and another drummer, we had a little band called Dragonfly Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was still back in the Jeremiah days, yeah, when Jeremiah's was still open. We had a couple shows there, but that 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 band kind of fell apart. Yeah, and and the, and the falling out of that, I actually, I contacted Bo Brown and uh, that's when he was starting to rehearse a lot. You know, I found out there's a bunch of people that live there, and there's other bands, and yeah. I just asked Bo, I'm like, well, do you, you know anybody that's looking for a bass player and a singer? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, as a matter of fucking fact, I do. <laughs> so there was a band called Grass Appeal. Yeah. Uh, it was Chris Dula and uh, Tim Benson and Joel Mullis, and I forget the bass player's name. I apologize for that. They had recently split up, so it was just Tim the drummer and Joel the guitar player. Yeah. And me, the bass player, and Tony, the singer. Yeah. And uh he gave me Tim's phone number and I called Tim and we talked for like three hours the first night. You know, I talked to him. It, it was like a girlfriend thing, you know, like <laughs> meet a new girl or whatever. But we had so much in common in music and then we, we hooked up and they had a they already had a band room there at rehearsal lot and we came up there and i think we wrote a song the first night yeah it was like instant chemistry and uh that was it could be nothing at the beginning of it could be nothing it like four or five years doing that yeah that band we actually you know could have done something could have been something uh What's but it could be nothing
0: <laughs> and it really was like I, I was i was aware of you guys back then but i i didn't i don't think i really had ever seen you or anything but now when i go back and listen to yeah. that stuff and I, i'm like damn these guys were really so good
1: yeah we definitely had our own thing going uh but maybe not right for everybody at the time yeah you know? We we tried to we tried to tour. We we went up to uh played Philadelphia a good bit, made some friends up there. Um even went up in like the Poconos mm-hmm. and uh New York and uh Jersey, you know, we I don't know why, I guess we thought that would make us, you know, get more exposure or whatever, yeah. but It was good, man. It was it was road work, you
0: know. Well, I have to say, like, for a lot of bands from around here, from that time and even up till today, I feel like so many of these bands really should have been a little bit more than they were. But you gotta think about the kind of music people listen to. But I mean, even amongst like, you know, cool music, North Carolina's always had bands that compete with with bands that get exposure.
1: It's hard, man. It's hard, I know. Yeah. I've been out at it 34 years and I ain't figured it out. So. <laughs> and now it's like the worst time, or it could be the best time or the worst time, it's, depending on how you look at it. But there, it's short attention span fucking theater.
0: Yeah, that's true. But, but there's I think-
1: so much out there that you can pick and choose what you want to do. I mean, I just put this, uh, album out one hit wonder. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the first week it's, it's getting a lot of, uh, hits and stuff but i'm like well how the hell do you get it to where like more than a thousand people hear it
0: yeah that's the i'm still trying to that's, figure all that out that's the hard part e- even when you give it away it's hard to get people to actually uh-huh. just listen to it because everybody's got no, so many different I've things got, to choose from
1: on my phone i personally sent the link to people besides just putting it on facebook mm mm-hmm. I personally sent it to motherfuckers who I consider my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, have you listened to it? Yeah. And they're like, oh, man, nah. I, ain't I haven't got had
0: really time. To it.
1: I'm like, all oh, you got to do is click the motherfucker when you're taking a shit. <laughs>
0: trust you me man, thinking
1: this shit, you can hear my music
0: i think we all relate to that struggle and i just don't i don't know because it seems like back in the day when you handed your friends a cassette they listened to it yeah, <laughs> yeah. these days I you like though it's just too easy i mean they don't have to leave their house all they have to do is press play easy. on their phone and they don't do it i made
1: a fucking 12 song album in <laughs> six months like yeah. and for somebody to just be like ain't got time for you bro <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, at least if you're my friend, you know, if you're my friend, yeah, <laughs> just give me a solid and listen to it. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And say, hey, man, you really need to work on that shit. It ain't, it ain't, <laughs> it ain't there yet, or something. You know, like back to the drawing board, bro. Or it's cool, I dig it. You know, some people do. You know, some people have told me, but and it's not like I'm, I'm not. You know, I got to be realistic. I'm, I'm 48 years old. Yeah. I mean, not that that really means a whole lot. Not, you know, because, I mean, look at Funky Geezer. I mean, he he yeah. gives me uh, a lot of hope, you know. It's never over. Yeah. <laughs> not what I'm But, you know, just do me a solid, man. Yeah. Yeah, so after that, after It Could Be Nothing, we formed Dirty Box, mm-hmm. uh, which originally Dirty Box was me, Tim Hill, and Tim Benson, yeah. Tim Hill's an amazing guitar player, but he ended up getting married and moving to Atlanta. I think he still plays, and I've got to keep in touch with him occasionally. Yeah. I mean, that that was a just a fun, fun band to be in. And uh, Tim Hill, Tim Benson, and myself were playing as a three-piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, Tony Molasses, he was in Semi-Pro. Yeah. And they were doing their thing, and they were, they were a fantastic band. Oh, yeah. I played Tony some of the stuff we were doing, and, and he had just... He's always been a singer, only. Mm. And he had just picked up guitar. Yeah. And he just had this thing. He wanted to play guitar. So I invited him over for a practice. He was a member of the band, day one. <laughs> I mean, we had like, I don't know, six or seven songs, and he just... He just blended right in, and then the fact that he could sing his ass off yeah didn't oh yeah hurt, you know. Because I was doing all the singing before he he got there, and then we played our last show with Tim Hill at this little bar off of uh, Monroe Road. Can't remember the name of that bar. It was cool. It was like a little biker bar. Yeah. And Dave Voss was there, and after the show, Dave came up to me and was like, "Man, I really like you know, dug it." I'm like. You want to be in it? (laughs) Yeah. Because we just lost our guitar player. And he's like, well, fuck yeah. I'll be in it. That's when it really took off. When when, when he joined the band, we really became a band. You know, we just locked into it, you know, and and went for it. And it was uh, vulgar and loud and Mm -hmm. abrasive and, you know, had mixed uh, opinions (laughs) because Bob Holla was in that band and, yeah. I had a
0: lot of a lot of
1: uh, nasty nasty songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, some stuff that some people might like. Yeah, think well, twice about yeah. playing these days. But yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's It's, it's not church going. It's not church going music. That's for sure. And I'm I'm of the belief because you know I grew up with. George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Steve yep. Martin that you've got to have some subversive stuff out there you've got to you've got to kind of push those boundaries and, and make people think and make yeah. people a little bit uncomfortable at times I'm all for it there's nothing wrong with like having some dirty humor there's nothing wrong with that at all <laughs> I'm coming It's so good. I appreciate it. musically it's good. The lyrics are fucking great. It's 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 really good. Nice.
1: Uh, It's called nice because I always said nice like that. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) That was the thing, you know. Yeah. So we named it nice, Uh, which was also a play on words because it's dirty. Yeah. But but, uh, Joel Mullis, who was the guitar player for "It Could Be Nothing," you know, he went to full sail and. Uh, became an engineer and mm-hmm. did his internship at Tree Sound Studios, and he, you know, when he got out of that, he hooked up with uh, this dude Billy in Duluth, Georgia, mm-hmm. and uh, he was working for him, and you know, working with acts like the Ying Yang Twins, and um, I even met George Clinton there, yeah, down at the studio, but he recorded all of our stuff. I mean even as far back as Brent Unbanded. Yeah. He he mixed it, you know, and put it together for yeah. me. All the it could be nothing stuff. We have like three different cassette tapes mm-hmm. and then two CDs. The two CDs we did at the basement uh with Jody Derek. But you know, Joel also had a yeah. hand in that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he did the Dirty Box stuff, my 2006 album Holidays. He he mm-hmm. co-wrote like nine songs on that with me, but he's been an integral part. I mean, after Dirty Box, you know, uh, Semi Pro bro- broke up, and and Tony and Jay started writing songs. Actually, at my house, uh, yeah. I was in one room doing Bub Hollow, and they were in the living room writing the new Lamb Handler stuff. Yeah, you know, they recorded that first album. I think I'm only on one song on the first album. Because mm-hmm. uh, they had already done it, you know. Yeah. I think Joel Joel played bass. I think for Joel or Jay played bass for the majority of that, and I was on one song. Uh, but I really dug that stuff, and uh, that was Tim and Jay and Molasses. Yeah. And then we we rocked that gig for like seven, eight years. Yeah. And, and we toured a lot. Uh, this was know, Land Land Handler. Land Handler,
0: yeah. yeah. Landmiller. yeah.
1: Toured a lot, like, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday gigs. Yeah. You know, regionally. And then we also went up, up to Philly and down to Jacksonville and yeah. Atlanta, New York. I mean, but a, a lot of hassle for not a lot of payoff. You know, <laughs> I mean, we had fun. Yeah. You know, but it, it's that's a rough way to try to make a living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just trying to get one fan at a time or, you know, that kind of thing, playing out of town and or you drive two hours and play three forty five minute sets to the sound guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, the, those nights and are rough, but then you have nights where, you know, it's packed out and it's killer. You get a good you reaction. Know, it was fun. Good times. Oh yeah. And then after that, uh Vortex of old men, you know, we got the old gang back together, the reun- reuniting of the original lineup of Grandma Dynamite.
0: So when you got the, the that lineup back together, was there any talk of just calling it Grandma Dynamite again, or did you want to do something completely different? Man,
1: that's a great question. I, I appreciate that. Um, yes, in fact, what, what we thought of calling it originally was uh, G3. Yeah. Which stood for great, great grandma. <laughs> because we're older now. Yeah. We think we're pretty good. You know, so great, great grandma. Yeah. 3 <laughs> But then, you know, we started thinking about it, and it's like, well, no one's going to catch the reference. Yeah. If you don't know, you yeah. know, and there weren't enough people that knew. And then uh, Tony had always been kicking around this name of Vortex of Old Men. Which I think was a came off of a flyer for some kind of festival or something that Neil motherfucking Harper was putting on yeah. some conglomeration of bands. Yeah, and the event he called Vortex of Old Men. Okay, <laughs> and Tony just always loved that. You know, he's like, "Boom!" There was a a previous version of "Boom" because Tony had moved to Columbia, South Carolina.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He still lives out there. Uh, outside of it but uh yeah they had a they had a little vortex of old men i mean i don't i don't think they put anything out or anything like that but they were they were working on it and uh but i think that thing fizzled out or whatever and uh some of the name talks that name popped up yeah. and it's like it's so fitting even though we're not like super old yeah you know we're older and vortex old men it just
0: that's how I feel. I mean, you it know, we're, cool, you know. We're we're, we're in our late forties playing punk rock or playing rock yeah. music, you know. Just this we're we're old men. <laughs> we're old men when it comes to this yeah. stuff. I want to talk a little bit more about Vortex One man. Okay. So, where did you record the CD at? We recorded the CD at my house. I thought right so. Here. I thought I was, was going to say I thought I thought you self recorded, and that's kind of what I was yeah, going to get at. Yeah, so. uh, we
1: call it we call it Ficky Deep's. Yeah. studio. I play bass. In uh, in Lammer, we actually had names like little nicknames. I, it was it wasn't even like a thing. Like we didn't call each other shit, but. Like, uh, Tony was, like, Squeaky Cheeks. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I was Thicky Deeps. Yeah. I can't remember the guitar and the drum reference, but, it, you know, Beady Beats, fucking,
0: I don't know. Instead of just, like, bass player, you were Thicky Beat. Or, yeah. Thicky Deeps. Yeah. Thicky Deeps.
1: And uh, that just kind of stuck, so whenever, didn't have to, but, you know, you usually want to put what studio you recorded it at. Mm-hmm. So, Joel... Mullis, again, brought all his – he has some portable gear. He brought it all over here, and we set up in my basement. Yeah. uh, The guitar, bass, and drum tracks were all live. Maybe a couple little just flubby overdub kind of things.
0: The same way we we do that.
1: And then uh, Jay, you know, probably put two more guitar parts. Yeah, yeah. You know, layers and whatnot. And then vocals, man. I mean, we did it in probably like five or six days.
0: Totally. Yeah. i think that's the best way to record just just do it live and oh, then you know go back in and punch in and fix so what you need to we always
1: we always strive for drums yeah get the drums right if the drums we are can good always overdub, yep exactly you no know, but, but i I always try to get my bass done with the drums so yeah. that it's you know completely syncopated oh yeah it always works and, the best you know, Feel thing but you know, my biggest problem. I don't think I've never been in a studio where I can actually hear myself mm-hmm. like good. You know, to where you can like play dynamically and yeah. You know, it, it's always like the shittiest ass headphone mix. No, I have I wear one off and yeah, got the amp in the other room, and I'm just barely hearing it. The four of us have played together so much, you know, and we have chemistry. Mm. Uh, it's second nature, you know, I mean we we can we just vibe off of each other, and it's the best way I could put it. So yeah. I think the feel comes across. I mean it sounds like a recording, but I think it has a, a, a live energy.
0: Yeah. About that's what, that's what I like about recording that way, is you get that live energy and um that was one thing you said, you know, talking about how you never been in a studio where you can really hear yourself. On this mm-hmm. last recording that we did it was Brandon did, did magic. And, and me and Ben have talked about this. The reason it went so well for us was because we could hear each other. We could hear ourselves very well. He had, he had everything just dialed in and it, it worked so well. So, right. So I get that frustration when you get, when you're frustrated because you can't really quite hear everything. But, uh, oh yeah. but yeah, that, that live feeling that you get from recording that way, it's it definitely, you can feel it in the energy because I've recorded mm-hmm. where we've tracked everything separately. And yeah it just, it, the it's, end product sounds, sounds a little bit, Kind of calculated and not as yeah. much fun. Yep.
1: but that uh, you know, we released that last year and uh, you know played some shows, but you know we're you know old dogs and no new tricks. You know <laughs> we we realized that you know touring or you know even play even playing in another city. I mean we've done it. You know because Tony lives in Columbia, so we're kind of yeah. Chester cities, you know, we've played up here. We go down there and play down there, and that's not like that far of a drive or anything. Yeah, so. it's an hour and a half.
0: But maybe. you know, I don't want to
1: be in a van, you know, sleeping on somebody's floor. Yeah. Or, you know that those, those days are behind us, unless it would be like worth it. You know, like yeah, yeah. on tour with somebody that has some kind of drawing. Oh. At least you can get a hotel room. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but. We're just playing locally and having fun with it, primarily. We're not trying to be rock stars. You know, I told you about the people I've met and the, you know, experience I have with that. But as far as like me deciding I want to be a performer, mm-hmm. uh, it was the summer before the ninth grade, right? Right about the same time I met Bryant, we had moved to a new house in Gastonia and we were like fixing it up, you know, like painting and crap Yeah. down there. And, but we had a TV there, you know, mm-hmm. keep us entertained when we're like painting and shit. And I'd have MTV on. Yeah have it you know looping videos or whatever and uh Dawkins alone again video, yeah. which is a it's a lot of live performance and then it's like the hotel room you know and he's <laughs> all sad because he ain't got a chick yeah. or whatever the dude's wearing the bandanas and george's hairs are like all crazy <laughs> i'm like dude that looks freaking awesome that's what i want to do yeah. i mean it's not like the hardest song ever or anything you know but I mean they were rocking but you know it's a it's a it's a a, a ballad
0: yeah. if you will. Right I love that song. But that
1: that made me think like man how cool would that be to be on stage like that and see all those people and
0: well I think just rocking and rolling all the time. That was a big part of it for me too you know just growing up like we talked about with MTV especially back in the early 80s MTV played some really cool shit and, oh, yeah. and that to this day people think oh that's cool as fuck
1: scatterbrains
0: um, <laughs> you know I, scatterbrains? I, remember, yeah, I remember that i remember them
1: do call me dude <laughs> yeah. we love that but man. we but we grew oh,
0: up even that. even before that stuff you know we grew up with with all these bands like the cars and stuff and it's like oh, oh man that. i want to be like a rock and roll star like that you know and then we we also got introduced to the rolling stones and stuff through mtv you know even though we found the the good stuff later it was, you know, we got introduced to that stuff. So I think we came up with the right age. We came up with that, that age that if you latched on to rock and roll, you had a lot of good stuff to, to watch, to push you in that direction.
1: Oh, Michael Jackson thriller.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I remember where I was. I was oh, yeah. at my grandma's house when that, that was the world debut Michael Jackson thriller.
0: I used to have a Michael Jackson. I used to have a Thriller jacket when I was a kid. I had
1: a Thriller jacket, too, <laughs> Hell, yeah.
0: Fucking
1: <laughs> like the V one.
0: Yep, yep. I used to have yeah, that. I my, wasn't cool enough. I
1: didn't get the Beat It one that had all the fucking zippers and my, shit. My
0: brother got the Beat It one. We found them, I guess, at, at Belk nice. or something. It was weird. It was like a Belker or JCPenney or something, like. and they were on clearance. So we yeah, got, we got, we I, got I, them I way think, past the time they were cool, but I thought I was cool as fuck with my Michael Jackson oh, Thriller jacket. Oh, I thought, jacket.
1: yeah. I was shit too but the actual day I met Bryant was in at school. Yeah. We were in class together and I had on a uh, it was a full like button up shirt you know mm-hmm. with collar and everything but it was it had a picture of a brick wall. Yeah. Like the whole shirt was <laughs> just a brick wall shirt and if Bryant if you ever did an interview with Bryant I'm sure he would talk about the brick wall shirt when <laughs> he, met me, he thought I was gay. So, <laughs> who is this fucking guy with his fucking brick wall shirt? Yeah. And I probably had like spiky hair at the time. Yeah.
0: Trying to be like, I don't know. We were all, we were all, we were all, we were all, uh well, not all of us, but some of us were, were uh, awkward teenagers too. So we, we went through all that shit. I was that dude that wore the like net shirt too. You know, like, (laughs) like
1: no reason to. It's not like I got muscles, you know, but I just like the, the
0: mesh i had one of those a sleeveless mesh shirt at one point when i was yeah, a kid yeah. Yeah, that was my summer wear <laughs> i was i was i was full-on dork i was a i was a nerd i was a just yeah <laughs> i wanted to fit in but i hear you What well, you do now sir well i no, i i found my i found all the misfits that i fit in with so you know that's all that matters man. yeah I punk rock led me to 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 my people. (laughs) Hell yeah! So let's talk a little bit more about let's talk some more about Bub Holla. Bub Holla,
1: yeah, man, That's just been a a fun thing I do. You know, I I actually quit doing it for a while, and not for really any reason. I just I think it just came to me for a while, and I just put it on a back shelf. You know, plus you know, adult, so I work for a living and all that crap. We've been at this house for six years. I've done a lot of remodeling and stuff like that. But uh, I was actually looking for an old password to some website. I went into one of my old email addresses. Yeah. Started searching for this password and I found like fifteen tracks above Holla. Yeah. Because what I would do is I would I would email myself the track so this was before there was like Google Drive or yeah, any kind of cloud service. I would just email it cuz I'm like, well, if I email it, it'll stay on the email server. Yeah. And then I'll I'll get it, you know. So I had these 15 tracks. I was like, "Holy shit. Some of them were like 20 years old, you know. Some yeah. of them were 5 years old, you know. I mean, I've not completely given it up uh, along the way, but I was always a four-track guy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and not really embracing the the digital yeah. audio workstation, you know that that kind of like even though I'm I'm fairly computer literate, I don't know something about the interface and like it just seems like there's too much shit. Yeah, you know? like I like I like analog knobs and shit that you can yeah mess with. But um, so anyway, in compiling these fifteen songs, I reached out to Joel and I was like, hey man, I got these fifteen songs. Can you like just master them because they're just at this point, they're just the MP3s. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have, like, the actual waves, or I didn't have, you know, whatever I recorded them on, and it didn't, I don't have any. Yeah. Know? And, uh, you know, he's a busy guy and everything, and he said he would help me, and, and he did come over and, and, like, show me some shit, but I just, I was on my timeline, not his timeline, mm-hmm. so. And I had a copy. I bought an interface years ago, like, maybe five or six years ago, uh, to attempt it, yeah. But, you know, I got in and I had Studio One, is the digital audio workstation I have, and uh, and I I've done like a couple little things in it, just you know, cause I have gotten the machine at one point, you know, that's like the the drum pad thing, yeah. But that thing is just the learning curve is just ridiculous. Hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm simplistic. I like a Casio keyboard where you can. <laughs> put, I want to hear uh fifties disco, you know, I mean Bossa
0: Nova. <laughs> yeah,
1: Bossa Nova, baby. That's uh one of my songs is the drum beats Bossa Nova.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, that's whimper on uh one hit one. Hit. Anyway, finding those 15 songs, I just got inspired as fuck. You know, I was like, I want to put this out. You know, like, you only live once, you only die once, and I want to put out everything I've ever done on this planet and, uh, you know, to leave some kind of mark. Yeah. This, you know, hey, this dude was here, that's what he did, which I still have all 15 of those songs, and now... That I've went through, so I I got into the digital audio world. Yeah, and started you know YouTubing and just trying to figure out you know tutorials how to work this thing. And then so I got a ke- I got a keyboard, I got a shitty Casio keyboard. Yeah. And I'm like, go back to your <laughs> baby. Yeah, I just pop it in. Fucking this particular one I have, it's got this like this disco music thing, mm-hmm. uh, dance music, I guess, and you can. It's got, like, three different drum parts, three different bass parts, three different rhythm key parts, three different lead key parts, yeah. and you can sit there and mess with it and change it. And So a lot of that stuff is, is me, you know, a lot of it's, like, one-take shit of yeah. just, like, bass tracks of it. And uh, I, a lot, of, a couple of the songs I did with the SM58, because that's all I had, mm. and then and I was, you know calling Joel, wearing his ass out, you know, man, what, I needed something that's going to make me sound better, you know, He's talking about, trying to talk to me about compression and, you know, uh turning me on to different types of equipment, yeah. and I started buying up a bunch of stuff, and he's like, oh, you want your vocals to sound better, you need a compressor mic, yeah. a condenser mic, I'm condenser sorry. mic, yeah, so I got one of those, you know, and I just start layering and figuring it out, man, and after a while, I, I kind of got the hang of it—at least, you know, good enough for me. And after I did like, you know, thirty different takes of the vocals, because uh, that, <laughs> you know, the music part I could get it down, you know, and it's it's solid. You yeah, know? yeah, I had Dave Voss; I had him come over. Yeah, he did like—he uh, played guitar on like three tracks, and then uh, the "Change the World" song. Yeah. He wrote wrote the music to that. And in fact, I had 11 tracks, and I was literally like two days away from sending it in to be mastered. Mm -hmm. And he sent me that track. And uh, that's right when the Corona shit hit.
0: Yeah, because I I knew when you put that out, I was like, damn, he like wrote this quick.
1: (laughs) Dude, it was like two days. Like, he sent me that track. I listened to it sitting in the basement. And uh, I wrote the first verse. Yeah. Uh, got that Corona. Don't get it on you. <laughs> kind of like pneumonia. But this one is stronger. That I had that written yeah. down, you know, and it just it flowed with the music. And then I went to work the next day and played it in my truck, you know, as I drove around. When I got home that evening, I, I wrote the rest of it. And uh, I bounced some of it off my wife. And she actually came up with the uh, – the chorus uh corona gonna change the world oh, yeah <laughs> she just said it you know and i'm like that's it yeah. you know like she said i'm gonna change the world i'm like that's the fucking chorus yeah. let me go write that shit down i told her that right then i'm like i'm gonna go write that down right now <laughs> and i went in there and i just finished it and luckily i, mean, I think it's one of the stronger tracks on the entire
0: album it's good i mean the whole thing's good i i, I really like but the, you
1: See what i'm saying though there's there's i'm not trying to make light of the situation oh yeah but it, it, it's uh, my wife said it well it sounds like a, a psa you know public service
0: well you're 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 documenting you're documenting well, the documenting.
1: time but but there's some
0: there's some humor yeah
1: Underlying humor in it. Uh, oh, thats at least what I'm trying to convey.
0: It works. It really does. Corona gonna
1: change the world. Corona. the famous picture of brett
0: yeah this one
1: yeah the actual picture of this grown-up avenger stuff are, are playing yeah and all the family is along the wall there so like that i remember that night man so incredibly and it was brett's birthday and he was just being yeah brett, man. <laughs> backwards and shirtless forever yeah and I feel so much for the flight risks, man. I, I can't even fathom.
0: Yeah, I hope.
1: Going through, uh, but I personally can't wait till there's some way that we can do a big. Yeah, we've got to to celebrate his life, and
0: we've got to I'm do sure something definitely. Definitely, sure
1: we'll all be a part of it.
0: And I hope it's not too long from now. But I know, you know, I, I don't think that'll matter really. I don't uh, – It don't matter how long time passes. We're all, we're all waiting for that moment. Yeah, you know? exactly. We're definitely going to have a big, big throwdown in his name and and uh, use it to like
1: – Yeah, know, I just like, seen him like a couple weeks
0: before that. Man. I man, saw just, him. Yeah, I, I think the last time I saw him was the last show I went to, which was right before like all the shutdowns and everything, no anger control yeah. and – He showed up that night, and I talked to him for a minute. That that dude had
1: a love for music too. That's just infectious. Yeah, he he really supported it as well.
0: This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt media production.